0: Amen. All right, guys. Well, if you're visiting at Calvary Chapel, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the New Testament on Sunday mornings. On Wednesday nights, we study verse by verse through the Old Testament. So this morning brings us to 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2. So please turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter uh, chapter 2. Heavy, heavy passage, deep passage about false teachers some people would say you know what what why is it important that we study about false prophets and false teachers if God put it in his word it's important it's important that we understand and we understand exactly what the scripture says so let's without further ado let let's dive in to this passage second Peter chapter two verse one in verse one is a really a thesis of the entire chapter. He doesn't change subjects in this chapter at all. Second uh, Peter chapter two verse one. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Lord, thank you for your Word and Father. As we dive into this subject, teach us, lead us guide us, and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the title of my message this morning is The Dangers, the Danger of False Teachers. And again, as I mentioned a while ago, why is it important that we study and understand false teachers? Why is that important? Go with me for a minute. Let's say you go to the doctor and you're diagnosed with a deadly illness. And if not treated properly, it will kill you. What doctor and what medicine do you want for your treatment? Do you want a bad doctor and bad medicine? Or do you want a a real doctor and a real medicine? A bad doctor and a bad medicine, they're clueless. The bad doctor's clueless. They don't even know where to start. They tell you what you want to hear. Their unproven medicine will numb you, and you may even catch a buzz. But in the end, you will die a painful, agonizing death. But a real doctor, a real doctor will diagnose your illness with precision and pinpoint accuracy. He will tell you exactly what to do. He does not care about your felt needs. His one focus is to save your life. And his medicine, the real doctor and the real medicine, their medicine has a miraculous 100% success rate. I don't know about you, but that's the doctor I want, and that's the real medicine I want. And the straightforward, clear teaching of the Word of God is the real medicine that leads us to the real doctor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in short, false teaching, uh, like a fake doctor and fake med- and with a fake doctor and fake medicine, is worthless. It pulls you away from true biblical devotion to Christ and false teaching and false teachers will wreck and destroy your faith because they twist the scriptures they twist what the word says family the word of god is enough and everything it says in the scriptures is true and accurate and trustworthy and you can build your life upon it so again why is it important that we understand false teaching and false false teaching and false teachers is because the holy spirit dedicates an entire chapter to the subject that's pretty heavy so let's dive into it second peter chapter 2 verse 1 look at, take a look in your bibles it says in verse 1 but false prophets also arose among the people and there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies so we see here in the text the first characteristic of a false teacher is they, what does it say? They introduce destructive heresies. They deny or they seek to destroy the Christian faith, the essential truths of the faith that's been given once and for all to the saints through the scriptures. There's a movement out there. It's called the Emergent Church. They're very liberal. They're very unbiblical. In the Emergent Church, their doctrine is there is no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is whatever you want it to be. They focus on the unity of all religions. Doctrine and theology is watered down to the point that there is no difference between religions. They deconstruct major Christian doctrines like the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. The doctrine of substitutionary atonement is basically the cornerstone of the Christian faith, which is Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And he bore God's wrath in our place so that we could be forgiven uh, one of their leaders in, a, in an interview on Christianity Today calls it he calls that that doctrine of substitutionary atonement he calls it divine cosmic child abuse I guess he never read Isaiah 53 6 where it says the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, of, of us all in his book Love Wins Rob Bell says in the end all will be saved and there will be no eternal punishment that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. That, those are destructive heresies when we destroy the doctrine that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that we destroy the doctrine of his resurrection or his deity or the authority and the inspiration of Scripture. Guys, the, the, the Scripture is so simple to understand that a child can understand it. And we have to approach it with childlike faith and we have to receive it as the word implanted and believe it and build our lives upon it in anybody or any organization that contradicts it man we have to call them out and say no that's not what the scripture says we're called to contend for the faith to defend the faith so we don't so the first character is to introduce destructive heresies first one also says look at there in the second half of verse one it says even denying the master who bought them bringing swift destruction upon themselves the second characteristic of a false teacher found there in verse 1 is it says look at it in your Bible in verse 1 it says they deny the master who bought them false teachers will deny Jesus as he is revealed in the New Testament the Mormons teach that Jesus and Satan are spiritual brothers that's not the Jesus of the New Testament that was, That's nowhere found in Scripture the jehovah witness teach that jesus is a created human being and that he is not god he is not deity that's not the teaching of the new testament the teaching of the new testament is that jesus christ is lord he is god he is deity he was their creation and we have to hold to those truths. the real jesus of the new testament the bible that you have in your hand this morning he was born of a virgin lived a sinless life he was crucified risen and as Thomas said when he, when he uh, confronted him after his post-resurrection, he is Lord and God. And that is the doctrines of Christianity. That is the meat of the Christianity is who Jesus is. Paul said in Galatians 1.8, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. In other words, you got to believe in the Jesus of the Bible because this is the Jesus that said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This is the same Jesus that John said in in John 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. This is the same Bible that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 8, for nothing can be done against the truth but only for the truth. Man, we hold on to it because it's his inspired word. Let's continue with verse 2. Verse 2, there, 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 there's so many in this chapter. I, 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 I could be here till 4 o'clock this afternoon, but we're going to briefly touch on them as we go verse by verse through this chapter. Look at verse 2. It says, Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. Uh, the third characteristic of a false teacher is there, it says there in, in verse 2, their, their sensuality. Their sensuality. This means, uh, this word sensuality, it means uh, habitual, sexual, immorality okay now this is not this is not a minister or a teacher falling into a sin because some some faithful pastors have fallen into sin but this is uh, the the false teacher they don't fall into sin they pursue it no it says it says many will follow their sensuality and, and it says and cause of them the way of the truth will be maligned and when they when they are found out and they will be they will be exposed what happens when um false teachers fall and it gets exposed to the world christianity and jesus are mocked and ultimately this drives people away from christ and away from salvation and it's a very tragic sin um to drive people away from the lord we want to draw people closer to christ we want to draw them into a living relationship. And people look to the leaders. People look to the teachers. They look to the pastors. And we have to live above reproach. And, and in the opening of verse 2 in the NASB, it says many will follow. It, it, it will draw many. Oh, that's okay. We can live that way in life. Okay, I'm going I'm to go there. But that's not the case. We're called to live above reproach. Verse 3. Verse 3, he says, uh, In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Family, this is deep, and this is not for the light of heart. This is not Christianity light. There's some very deep and colorful and strong language in this passage. But the next characteristic, according to verse 3, is what? Their greed. Their greed. False teachers, one of the characteristics of many is their greed. They're motivated by money. They don't care about your soul. Their focus is your wallet. And notice what it says in verse 3. How do they get away with their greed? It says, uh, in their greed, they will what? Exploit you with false words. Promoters of the false prosperity gospel and the word of faith promise you wealth. They promise you luxury. They promise you success. If only, if, if you will sow your $1000 seed into their ministry and if you do not sow that $1000 seed you will not be blessed okay i've been studying the bible for 29 years now and i still haven't found that verse i still haven't found that verse or this concept of sowing your $1000 seed and and reaping and now we should give we should give generously but it should never ever be the driving force in the church but that's one of the signs, according to 2 Peter chapter 2, of a false teacher. And, uh, and then it says also, notice at the end of verse 3, he says, Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. A lot of times we look at a false teacher and we're like, man, how can God let them get away with that? That is robbery. That is a crime. How dare they get away with it? What does that verse says? It says their destruction is not asleep. In other words, God is saying he has appointed a day that destruction will come. God will judge them. And in verses 4-9 through that we're fixing to read, uh, Peter's going to give you and I three examples of past judgments to prove of the future judgment of false teachers. So God is just saying, hold on. I see what they're doing. I see what's going on. And it will be exposed. And it will be brought to light. In, in the in the original Greek, verses four through nine is one continuous sentence. And the point of these, the, this passage of the verses four through nine is not to go into details of what happened back then, but the point is, um, Peter saying, just as those were judged. it was a historical fact that they got judged so God will judge the false teachers let's take a look at it verses 4-9 through he says for if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment and he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter. They were an example. And if, rescue, if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Again, don't want you to lose sight of the thought that Peter's going with here. It's not, it's not saying, it's, it's, what they did was evil, what they did was wicked. But, it, but his point is, is uh, God will judge false teachers today and in the future In the same manner that he brought judgment long ago. In other words, the angels, I believe this is a reference to Genesis chapter 6, but the angels that were fallen and did wicked in the sight of the Lord, they were cast into hell, and they were cast into pits of darkness. And Peter is saying now in this passage, the exact same thing will happen to false teachers. The ancient world that was destroyed by the flood. They were destroyed. God will do the same with false teachers. Sodom and Gomorrah was reduced to ashes. Again, Peter is saying in this passage, the same thing will happen to false teachers. Family. Man, how we handle this Bible... Is of the utmost importance and we should never handle it in a trivial or light manner if anything we should tremble we should tremble when we read the Word of God because we want to get it right and we don't want to misrepresent Christ or misrepresent anything that the Lord says in his word he holds his word above his own name King David said his word is established in the heavens Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. He repeats that in in two of the four gospels. In other words, the universe will crumble and fall to pieces before one word of scripture fails. There should be a holy reverence and understanding when we study the Bible. But also, in the midst of Peter driving home the point of judgment in verses 4 through 9, We need to see the light in there. We need to see the light in there. Uh, he, He talked about Noah, and he talked about Lot, about God preserving them and keeping them. For the believer who loves God, obeys God, follows his word, there is no judgment. There is no judgment for the believer who's been born again. His sin, his judgment took place at Calvary. The condemnation that took place there was taken for him, and he's been given freedom, and there is no judgment. God will keep and protect them. This is a deep passage again, family, and, and there's a reason. The reason is to warn us of the serious nature of false teaching and false teachers. I'm going to, my verse at the very end of this message from Acts chapter 17, we've got to be Bereans. We've got to diligently study the scriptures. You should, be, you should be studying the scriptures to make sure that everything that I say is correct and aligned with scripture. In any TV preacher or any minister you go to, you have to examine the word and make sure it lines up with scripture. Let's continue here. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, um, yep, verse 10. And especially those who indulge in the flesh and its corrupt desires and despise authority, daring, self-willed. They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Verse 11, whereas angels who are greater in might and power, they do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. Several things are taking place there. First, the false teachers do what? What does it say in verse 10? It says they despise authority. The false teacher doesn't submit to the authority of Scripture, doesn't submit to their leaders, doesn't submit to the Word of God. They despise it. They, they want to run their own show. They want to do their own thing. They want to do it the way they think they should do it and not in accordance with the Scripture. It also says in verse 10 there, the NASB says, uh, daring and self-willed. Daring and self-willed. In other words, they, they have their own agenda. Uh, and that agenda is not god 's agenda and, and, and it's determined they, they are determined to have their own way at any cost that's These are the characteristics of a, of a false teacher and also in verse eleven there there's no fear there's no fear of divine or angelic judgment so so they're very independent. Verse twelve says but these are like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct, to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge. Will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed? Man, this is like deep and heavy, and the language and he's 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 comparing the false teachers. Look there, verse twelve, to unreasoning animals. Creatures of, of instinct, wild animals. I, you know, when I think about animals in the wild, uh, and you watch the safari shows and, and animals living out in the woods and creatures, you know, their top priority is what? It's food. Their top priority is themselves. Their top priority is their survival. Uh, an unreasoning animal, a creature of instinct, they have one concern. They, they're concerned about themselves and they're concerned about where they're gonna get their next meal. You know, and this reminds me when I go hunting. This, this reminds me when I went hunting. Last fall, me and my son were sitting in a deer stand up in Sumter, looking out across this beautiful cornfield and we looked over to the right and we saw something brown moving through the brush. And we were, and we were like, I was like, damn, damn, I think it's a deer. And a buck stuck his head out the brush, looked left, looked right, there's a corn pile about 10 feet away. But he knows there's a deer stand right there. And so he sticks his head out and he's staring at that corn pile. He looks left, he looks right. I think he's looking at me, I can't tell. I can't tell if the deer's looking at me or not. But his head turns that way and then he gets back in. So we're sitting there, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And the next thing you know, because I saw, I could, see, I could see those multiple deer. So the next thing you know, this little fawn, he nudges the little fawn to go out there. <laughs> So this little baby fawn comes out, comes prancing out, and starts eating on the corn. Now, am I gonna shoot a fawn? Absolutely not. I love, I love seeing those little creatures. But it was the buck that nudged it to go out there. So the fawn's out there eating. So the next thing you know, I still see some brown moving around. So then the buck sends the doe out there. Sends the doe out there. The doe goes out there and starts eating. I'm like, no, buddy, I'm waiting on you to come out. <laughs> all he cared about, all that buck cared about, like a false teacher, all the buck cared about was himself. And then finally, after he put his little baby out there, and after he put his, 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 his doe, his wife, out there, he finally says, okay, I think it's clear, and I go out, he goes out there to feed. Well, today he's in the freezer. Today he's in the freezer. But he's like that, he, that, that buck is like a false teacher. Uh, he, all he cared about was himself. And, and when he went down, uh, baby and mama, they didn't stick around to check on him. They bolted into the woods and took off. But that's how false teachers are. All they are consumed with is themselves. That is a sign. A a, a leader, a Christian, a pastor, a teacher, man, you know, he doesn't look out for just himself. He looks out for the entire body and for all those around him. But false teachers are like that. They're unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct. Let's continue. Verse 13, he says, "'Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong, "'they count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. "'They are stains and blemishes reveling in their deception.'" and they carouse with you. Um, it's interesting, he it says there in verse 13, suffering wrong is the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. Back in the first century Roman Greco world, debauchery was an uh, accepted way of life. But, but the Roman world said, if you're going to do it, do not do it during the daytime. You do it at night. You do it under the cover of night. Okay? If you're going to live this way in debauchery, don't do it in the daytime, do it at night so it can't be seen. But false teachers won't care. They'll do it in the night, they'll do it in the daytime, and they'll do it for all to see. And it says there that they are stains, they are blemishes. In other words, false teachers are defective. They do not represent the Lord Jesus Christ. They compromise. They're they're afraid to warn others of the judgment to come. They have no desire to live to the biblical standards of a pastor and teacher according to the pastoral epistles. If you want a job description of a pastor or a leader in the church, well, look no further than the scriptures. There's these three books in the New Testament called the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, and they give the job description of a pastor and a leader. But that's not so with the false teachers. It says there in verse 13 of your Bible, they are stains and blemishes. You know, the characteristics of false teachers as we've, as we've looked at this so far, um, they, they, they live in rebellion, they live in defiance of God, and they encourage others to do the same. Verse 14 says, having eyes full of adultery, they never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls Having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. Having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression for a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. What was Balaam's what what was Balaam's sin now we know he was unsuccessful and he refused to um, curse Israel but his sin was in the very beginning Balak got him to go and he was enticed by what he was enticed by money he was enticed by money he Balaam was a prophet a seer who Balak coerced by money to go and curse Israel. And what did the Lord do to stop him? The Lord had to supernaturally speak through a donkey to cause him to repent. So what the, 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 the point that Peter's driving home here in the New Testament, that false teachers, just like Balaam was, so a false teacher will be driven by money. They'll be driven by the almighty dollar that causes many to fall you know, we, our focus can't be on money. Our focus has to be on people and making disciples and building, building solid uh, Bible-believing Christians. That's our focus. Um, let it never be said of Calvary Chapel that our focus is money. We teach you should tithe. We teach you should give. But that's between you and the Lord. And that's not something for us to squeeze you like a wet rag or, or coerce you. That's an act of worship between you and the Lord, always. Verse 17, verse 17 says, These are springs without water, midst driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. He's like, man, Peter's, this is no joke, man. Peter's like, these guys are heading for destruction. Um, For speaking out, verse 18 for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desire by sensuality. Those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising the freedom while they themselves are slaves to corruption. For by what a man is overcome by this, he is enslaved. So it says there um, in this in verses 17, 18, 19. First thing it says there, they are springs without water. In other words, what he's saying is nothing good comes from their lips. Nothing, their their words are empty. They get into the pulpit without the Bible. Nothing that they say aligns with Scripture, and a good Berean will be able to identify them. It says in verse 18, they speak out arrogant words of vanity. They entice by fleshly desires and by sensuality. Again, they're they're not operating, being yielded to the Spirit into the word of God but they're operating being yielded to their flesh into their passions their carnal desires and it it says that uh, for whom the black darkness has been reserved they're not heading up false teachers are heading down verse 20 verse 20 um, Peter says here uh, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Verse twenty-one: For it is be better for them to have not have known the way of righteousness than having known known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. You know, on a side note, on a lighter note. Uh, the theology and the doctrine that we that we find in 2nd in Peter the, the book of 2nd Peter uh, has some very challenging verses for our Calvinist brothers and sisters um, these verses seem to indicate that someone was saved and then not saved and the first question people asked me was what are you guys are you, are, are you Calvinist here or are you Arminian and and what i say is we are Calvinian, we are Calvinian. at calvary chapel we firmly hold to the sovereignty of god and everything the scripture says about sovereignty of god but we also hold to man's responsibility as john macarthur says in his commentary he says you see there's two parallel themes that run through the new testament you see god's sovereignty his election he chose you before the foundation of the world But at the same time you see man's responsibility so what we do here is we avoid any kind of theological language that tries to separate the two but we embrace both but peter here look at verse 20 in the opening of verse 20 he's talking about false teachers i mean that's very clear as we've read this passage he says in verse 20 he says after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the lord and savior jesus christ So whoever these people are, according to verse 20, it says they've escaped the defilement. They've they've escaped the defilements of the world specifically by the gospel, by the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then if you get into the second half of verse 20, it says, but uh uh-oh, something happened. The second half of verse 20, it says they are again entangled in them and are overcome, and the last state has become the worse for them than the first so do you see the? They're 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 in a right place, but then they're not in a right place. The same thing can be said of verse um, twenty one. He says, uh, in the open, the first half of verse twenty one says, for it would have been better for them to have, for it would be better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than having known it. So they knew the way of righteousness. But then the second half of verse 21, after they've known the way of righteousness, they turn away from the holy commandment. Go back and look at verse one. I'll show you another one in, um, in the chapter two, verse one. This one right here, man, volumes have been written on this one verse. It says in verse one, but false prophets also rose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. And here's the phrase that the theologians wrestle with is the next part of the verse, even denying the master who bought them. It says that they denied Christ, but in the very next words, it says, who bought them. So it suggests here that these guys were authentic believers, but then they strayed, they fell away, they went from solid Bible teaching to not solid Bible teaching that they, they they fall away so there, there's this balance in Scripture that we that we have to understand there, there's 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 a um, we have to understand and be careful that we walk in the truth and that we teach the truth and that we you know um, don't just take theology and Scripture for granted but teach it live it and always examine ourselves and making sure that that we're walking the truth and that we're teaching the truth of Scripture. So we see that there's an even there's an even bigger verse that we'll look at next week in Second um, Peter chapter three that talks more about this. Um, but anyway, let's let's finish up this let's finish up this chapter. He says, verse twenty two, the, the the last verse. It has happened to them according to the true proverb a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire in closing the the point that I want you to go home with from uh, studying second Peter chapter 2 is understand this that false teaching does not bring you closer to the Lord It might make you more religious it might make you more pious but it will not bring you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, what it will do is it will separate you. It will separate you. And one of the worst things a Christian can do, one of the worst things you can do as a believer, you know, I hold to the sovereignty of God. I believe he chose me before the foundation of the world. I believe I am secure in his hands and there's nothing this world can do to pull me out of his hands and my heart rests in my salvation in Christ and I have no doubt of my salvation and I know he, he I know he chose me for the foundation of the world I know one day he's going to see me to heaven because he's a faithful god but at the same time under the umbrella of that understanding of sovereignty I got to be careful and I got to be mindful of what I'm reading who I'm who I'm watching who I'm listening to and making sure that we're getting good, solid food when we are taught in church or whoever we're listening to. But, but one of the worst things that you can do as a believer is to be ignorant or not know what the Bible teaches. How do you and I today protect ourselves from being influenced by false teachers and what the scripture warns us here in 2 Peter chapter 2. How do, how do we keep ourselves from falling in to this danger? Two simple principles. Two simple principles I want you to go home with when you consider the teaching, when you consider false teaching and, and, and false teachers. Number one, you need to be a Berean. You need to be a Berean. Uh, Acts chapter 17 verse 11 says, Now the Bereans, now the now the, now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, how much of the New Testament did Paul write? A bunch. He wrote a lot. Of, the majority of the New Testament was written by Paul. But here you have the Berean Jews diligently studying at this time the old testament scriptures to make sure what paul was saying was biblically inaccurate well friends and family if you're gonna if you gotta if you've gotta examine paul then you gotta examine everybody else you have to examine me and anybody else that you submit yourself under their leadership you need to be a student of the word and you need to say okay where does it say that in the bible let me let me understand it hey you know go up to the pastor after service and say, hey, can you give me a Bible reference on what you said? You know, that's totally cool, man. That that is completely cool. So that we can be solid, Bible-believing, trusting in Christ Christians. We need to be Bereans. We need to be students. And that's why here at Calvary Chapel, our commitment, New Testament on Sunday mornings, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Old Testament on Wednesday. So we grab the whole big picture from Genesis to Revelation. It, 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 it builds our lives. So number one, that each of us, that you are called to do as a believer, it's your responsibility. It's not your parents' responsibility. It's not your kids' responsibility. It's your responsibility for yourself. Is number one, be a Berean. And number two, you need to grow. You need to grow. You need to grow as a Christian. Peter uh, said in First Peter two. Uh, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation that's what this book is man as you're reading it and you're studying it it's pure milk going into your heart going into your life and you're building your life from the principles of scripture not the sayings of david or or calvary chapel or or any ministry out there, and there's many good ministries, and, but, but when I go to church, I want to hear the scriptures. I remember many years ago, when before I became a part of Calvary Chapel, me and Irene, were, we were searching Columbia and visiting from church to church, and our one requirement, my one main requirement was, Pastor, please open that Bible and teach me the scriptures, because I want to grow. I want to love Jesus more. I want to live for him more. I want to grow and be a solid disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be filled with tradition. I don't want to be filled with religion. I want the living water. I want the living water inside of me, causing me to grow. And that living water is, it can, is in, it's in me, it's in you, and we're called to protect it. In our walk with the Lord. The authority and inspiration of scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. The Greek word is theonestos. In, in the Greek, it literally means God breathed it out. God has spoken and he's given you a way to grow and it's by studying the scriptures, amen? Amen. amen. So we, uh, we watch out for false teachers, we avoid false teachers. We pray for false teachers. You know, we, we pray for them, that they'll see the truth, and they'll come back to the scriptures. They'll come back to the word of God. But we have to protect our hearts first. got to protect your heart, and you got to protect your mind so that we walk in the truth. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, he says, see to it. I love that word, see to it. That word, see to it, it means make sure this happens. Paul says in Colossians 2, 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the philosophies of this world rather than on Christ. Man, you got your Bible, you got everything you need for life, for godliness, and for growing. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, thank you for Second Peter. And Father... Help us, Lord, to crave the pure milk of the word in in church, in our personal life, in our devotions, in our daily time that we spend spend in your word. Help us to crave it like milk and help us to grow as believers. And then, Father, whoever we do listen to, whatever commentaries we listen to, whatever uh, maybe shows on TV that we listen to or or our favorite ministries that we we like to listen to and watch, Lord, just Give us a spirit of discernment and uh, help us to be good Bereans who study your word to show ourselves approved in all things. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. All God's people said, amen.